you better stand up and pray for me. <laughs> it's come to that. <laughs> you know that story about the old guy? He said, he said, well, I've done everything. I guess we just got to pray. And the other guy said, well, it's come to that. Yeah. It's come to that. Stand up and pray for me. I'm serious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father God, that you speak through me. You, you, uh, you just expound on the word tonight. That, Father, we have understanding in all things. Thank you that you fill my mouth with good things that I speak as the oracles of God tonight. We thank you, Lord, for clear direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 53. You know what? I'm just, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Isaiah 53, 5. Now, you know what Isaiah 53, uh, you know, we just went through resurrection. But we're going to go over to John 16 in a minute. And so we're, this is why we're going to Isaiah 53 to see what happened. Because we know that the prophet Isaiah prophesied what ha was going to happen with Jesus, didn't he? And so this is about Jesus, if you don't know that. So Isaiah 53, uh, we could start and read the whole thing, but let's just start at verse 5. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord... Thank God, but the Lord. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. But the Lord. This said, we, what we just read, that he was pierced for our transgressions. In other words, on the cross, Jesus bore our sin, didn't he? Isn't that interesting that he who knew no sin didn't just uh, bear sin, but he became sin? I don't even understand what that means. Do you? How do you become sin? Well, that means that everything in him became sin because he took on the sins of the whole world, both present and future. That's amazing, isn't it? Do you ever think about what did he feel like? What did that feel like? He who had never sinned. Now, do you know what it, uh, sure, we all know what it feels like to sin. Especially when, once you're born again, you know. What is sin? It means missing the mark, right? You know when you sin. You know, like little Moses is staying with me, and, and even Moses knows if something's not right. You know, he knows that's not right. That he's perfect, of course, so <laughs> he knows no sin. <laughs> no. Uh, even a child, if they're trained correctly, they know right. Not when they're little, little, but when they start to get like three, they know what's right and wrong. Well, we know when we sin. But we also have to recognize that the Holy Spirit convicts us and we can immediately, as James talks about, we can immediately go to the Father, confess our sins, and he's faithful and just. He's not an unjust ruler. He's just. He's not going to beat you. Sometimes you're harder on yourself than God would ever be on you. Isn't that right? Have you ever, you know, messed up, sinned? And, and you've, if you ever sinned and you felt so bad about it that it was hard for you to get over it, even though you'd already confessed it, even though you'd already asked Jesus to forgive you, 
And if you'd send about to somebody else, you'd already asked them to forgive you. But you had trouble forgiving yourself. You know why? Because the Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So when we think, you know, okay, I've got victory, praise the Lord. I'm, uh, yep, I sinned. I did, I did it royally. I mean, I messed up. I mean, we say messed up more than we say sin, but messed up is sin. I messed up. Oh, boy, did I mess up. That's okay. Jesus forgives me. And, you, th- you know, praise the Lord. I feel clean. I feel good. And then about 10 days later, you hear this like, oh, man. Oh, what did I do? And it comes on you again, that guilt, that shame. And didn't Jesus bear our guilt and our shame? We're not supposed to walk around with guilt. We're not supposed to walk around with shame. If someone is trying to put guilt on you or shame on you, it's not of God. That's not God. That's not the spirit of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let's read on. It says, uh, verse 6, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us turned to his own way. When you stop and think about that, have any of us turned to our own way? Have any of us knew what God wanted us to do, but we did it our way? We kind of went like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And God says, wrong. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) All of us. Look at that. It says all of us. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray and have turned. Each of us has turned to his own way. Aren't you glad when the word comes and says, but the Lord, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Aren't you glad? As you see in the word, the people that did it their way, you know, think about um, Jonah. God had a purpose. You know, he wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. So he did it his way. Didn't turn out real well, did it? And even when he finally did what he was supposed to do, he still just was just a grumpy old guy. We're not Jonas. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. And so when we want to do it our way, I want you to know that Jesus has already borne the price to redeem you from doing it your own way. And it's great freedom when you just can relax and say, I don't have a way. His way is my way. I don't have an opinion. His opinion's my opinion. I don't have a measuring stick. His measuring stick's my measuring stick. Amen? That's great freedom. But our flesh comes in and tries to talk us into just doing it our way. Have you ever had God tell you something and then you decided to reason about it? Has anybody ever reasoned the will of the Lord? How'd that turn out? Not real well. (laughs) You know why? Because our flesh gets involved. I tell you, when when God said to David and I, well, he said it to David, actually, in the backyard in Loon Lake, Saskatchewan that day, and he said, I want you to go back to Lloyd Minster and start a church. Go back. See, we'd been here, built a church, started a church, built a church, left, so we could build churches up north and Keep going. But God said, I want you to go back and start a church in Lloyd Minster. He said, I want you to, actually the Lord said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go back, start a church in Lloyd Minster, but it's going to cost you greatly. Now, what are you going to say? 
What are you going to say to that? Oh, no. Sorry, Lord. If it's just you're not commanding. See, God did not command us to come back to Lloyd. He asked us to do him a favor. Has God ever asked you to do him a favor? Has he ever said, will you do me a favor? Will you go call somebody? Will you pray for somebody? You know, God's not always commanding. Sometimes he asks you to do him a favor. Sometimes I ask God to do me a favor. Sometimes I'm praying for somebody, and I'll say, God, will you do me a favor? Will you just do this for this person? I don't, there's no, you know, I don't have anything to stand on. I'm just asking for a favor. But when God commands, I was, like I said, I was going to, I was going to teach on children, children being blessings and thought Mother's Day is coming and, you know, that's really been on my heart and I thought that's what we were going to talk about. But the Bible says that Abraham, the reason God could trust Abraham was that he would command his children. And as I was just meditating on that, that word command, there's not too many people that command their children anymore. Do you know what command means? I actually looked it up in the original Hebrew because I thought, I want to know what command means. (laughs) Because... I think I know, but let's, you know what command means? It means to charge them with something. You know, I charge you to go do something. I Command. He would command his children. And then I just was just meditating on that. And I, I thought about when my children were little. And, and uh, my children are in the ministry. They're all serving God. And it's wonderful. But you know what? There was, a, there was a season where one of my children didn't want to praise God. But I looked at the scripture and it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. That's a command. It's a command for you. It's a command for our children. So I would take my children and I would say, you are to praise the Lord. Why? Because it was my job to train them. Well, praise the Lord, it worked. It worked. That one is now a praise and worship leader and a pastor. (laughs) And he's doing pretty good at it, right? Praise the Lord. It's right. It's right. So God commands us to do certain things. There are certain commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's read the Word. What does he say? Okay, for instance, we had an election yesterday in Alberta. doesn't matter whether you agree or not agree, whether you're happy about it or not happy about it. I could tell you what I am, but you probably know anyway. But that doesn't matter according to the Scripture. Because the scripture says that first of all, we pray for all men and for those that are in authority so that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. Now you think, well, how can I lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness when they're ungodly? I don't know. (laughs) You thought I knew, didn't you? I don't know. The Lord knows. My job's just to pray. And so we go and we do what he says. He commands us to pray for them, whether you like them or not. I had to, I had to delete some people off Facebook because every day or almost every day, they would come against our prime minister like, like just terrible stuff. Like, you know, like he was just, it was awful. And, I, you know, I, I believe everybody, you know, is free to vote for who. That's why we live in this kind of country. You can vote for who you want to vote for. I have my opinion. I vote for who I want to vote for. I voted yesterday. But I had to delete them because I couldn't pray for someone that I just read something horrible about. That'd be like me reading something horrible about you and then go to prayer about you. Whether whether it was true or not, right? 
So we, we're commanded to pray. So this is what God is saying, that we're not to go our own way. This Jesus died so we don't have to go our own way. And that's freedom. That's freedom, isn't it? It's freedom. Some people say freedom is doing my own thing. You know, when you tell a child, you can do whatever you want to do. That's a terrible thing to tell a child. That's not right. They can do that, but that's not right. You tell them you can do whatever God calls you to do. Amen. You can be who God calls you to be. And that's greater than anything you could think of or they could think of either. Amen? So praise the Lord. Jesus died. I just wanted to cover that. I wanted to show you that all of us, that's the, that's the key, all of us, we're all guilty of going our own way. But we're redeemed from going our own way. Aren't you glad? I'm redeemed from going my own way. Hallelujah. Said that he will, verse 10 says, he will prolong our days. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to death. If he would consider himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. I want my days to be prolonged, don't you? Yes. Hallelujah. Verse 11 in the Amplified says that he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge of himself, which he possesses and imparts to others. Jesus shall see the fruit of his travail. You're the fruit of his travail. Amen. I'm the fruit of his travail. Amen. So what, what Jesus was demonstrating this, the gospel is not to be explained. The gospel is to be proclaimed. Isn't that right? You, do, you don't need someone that just explains the gospel. I love our Wednesday night teachings on Acts. I, I just, I don't know why everybody doesn't come. I just love it. It's so down that you can understand, and I get so much out of it every week. Amen? Because we're not just getting... You know, it explained, we're getting it demonstrated. We're getting it taught by the Spirit. Amen? But you can teach. Here's what one person said. You can teach what you know, but you per, will reproduce what you are. So in concerning others, your children or others that you're talking to the Lord about, you can teach them what you know, and, and you should. But you're going to reproduce what, who you are. Isn't that right? The Bible says we reproduce after our own kind. So praise the Lord. I, if I am a loving person, I will reproduce loving people. If I'm a critical person, I will reproduce critical people. Amen? If I'm a giver, I'll reproduce givers. Amen? Let's go for the givers and the lovers. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's turn to John 16. Hallelujah. As you're going, let me just say that verse 12 says that therefore, he said, I will divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty. In other words, after the revelation came of who he was, God said, I'm going to divide the spoil of the mighty. You know what happened in those old days when they would conquer a, a king? They would take the spoil, except a few times when God told them, don't touch anything. Some of them still grab something. <laughs> but most of the time they took the spoil, that meant they took everything, and they marched that king through the streets naked. To show he was defeated. That's what Jesus did for us, by the way, when he went to hell. Praise God. So what God is saying to us is that we have to not do it our way. We do it his way. Amen. And if we do it his way, we will get his results. You know, God... 
<laughs> if, if there's a people who won't go, God will get another. Did you know that? Look at Joshua and Caleb. There was 12 spies, right? But only two of them had a good report. The Bible says the other 10 had an evil report. Now, they didn't see it as evil. Do you think they saw it as evil? No, they just saw it as, into their minds, it was reality. We, uh, there's giants in the land. There were giants in the land, by the way. And we were as grasshoppers in their sight. Not so true. But Joshua and Caleb, they didn't address that there were giants. Here's the thing, guys. Satan's going to throw everything and tell you why it's not going to work. You can't do that because you don't have enough money. You can't do that because your kids are, you know, they're not even serving God. You can't, that can't happen. You can't do this because of that. Let me tell you, you got to find what God says. And says, we are well able. You do, do you know that Joshua and Caleb were standing up against all those other people? That's not a popular place. See, a lot of people think the church ought to be run by popular votes. We vote on, let's vote on that. God never did that. Only time he let the people do something, it was not his will. He didn't want them to have a king. They insisted. So he let them have a king. But God says, do it my way. That, see, they're doing it after their own way. All we have gone astray and done it our own way. But God said, here's the way. Joshua and Caleb says, here's the way. We're well able. Everybody, I, don't you know that the majority did not believe Joshua and Caleb? We know they didn't because God didn't let them go into the promised land. Who went in the promised land out of that group? Who went? Out of that original group, only Joshua and Caleb. No one else out of the original group. Do you know that's, that's thousands? No one went. Now, the children that were born afterwards did, but no one of the original group went. That'd be like a church, like if we got up Sunday morning and said, you know, um, this is what God said, and Let's see, that'd be uh, 80% of the church said, we don't believe it. 20% says, we believe it. How many times? There's Spirantina. We've been around a long time. We've heard words from the Lord about this church and about this city, haven't we? Some of it we've seen come true, and some of it we haven't. That doesn't mean we don't think it's going to come true. That doesn't mean we don't believe. We're of the 20% says, it'll come true. It, it'll, be, it'll be as the Lord says. Amen? But what if there's only 20% so, and it goes on for several years, everybody dies off except the children that were born. And so it would be everybody 40 years and under and these two old ones are the 20%. Can you understand what that was like? God wasn't being mean. God was saying, it's got to be my way. He wanted people of faith because they were going to ha have giants. They were going to have battles. They were going to have walled cities. They were going to have uh, things that seemed impossible. God has equipped us. According to Ephesians, right? We have the armor of God. We're well able. No matter what the enemy throws to you, you're well able to win. You're well able to win. I don't care if the doctor says or the report says or the text test says or what your bank account says. We're well able. Because the word of the Lord is true. Amen. John 16. Let's look quickly to that. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's, he's talked to them about, you know, that the world's not going to like them that much and. He's talking about the helper's going to come in chapter 15. But verse 16 says, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. King James says it, so that you may not be offended. How many knows, of, no, knows, I can't even talk. 
I mean, no. <laughs> I've been with a three-year-old for three days. <laughs> I can't blame it on him. <laughs> How many know that offense is one of the key things that breaks into a church and into a city, into a nation? Look at all the trouble down in the United States right now. Do you know what spirit's behind all that? Offense. The spirit of offense. And we all have been tempted to take offense. Amen? Have you ever been offended? If you say no, I'm going to ask you to come up here and we're going to cast the devil out of you. <laughs> One person said, <clears throat> said, did I offend you? And I said, actually, Yes. And they said, well, then that's your fault. You took it. <laughs> that's true. That's a true statement. I shouldn't have taken offense. That's true. But you shouldn't be offensive. <laughs> but if you start that, you're going to be in a fight, so just don't try that. Just humble to yourself and go, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus said that you... <laughs> It says, these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from being offended. He's talking about, he's telling them how the world's going to hate them. He's telling them how people aren't going to like them. He's telling them how they're going to get in trouble. He's telling them there's trouble coming and you better be careful that you're not offended. I could say the same thing to Lloyd Minster today. There's a lot of yip-yap around town. There's a lot of people got lots of stuff to say. They're trying to pit somebody against somebody. You know what our stand is? We are not talking about you. We're not talking about your church. We're not going to talk about your pastor. We're, we talk about Jesus. We stay with Jesus. Don't get caught up. That's, it's just a trap. Don't get caught up. Don't re if they start talking, you know, and sometimes you, they'll talk before you can get them to stop. But if that happens, just don't let it get in you. Just, okay, praise the Lord. Because God has a greater purpose in our city. Amen. Of course the enemy's trying to split people up, cause strife and division. But God has a greater purpose. And if we won't seek our own way, isn't that what love in 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never seeks its own way? Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 says? So if I walk in love, I'm not going to seek my own way. But it's so easy to seek our own way. It's so easy because we think about ourselves a lot more than everybody else thinks about us. Isn't it true? Oh, man. But Jesus will help us. Love will help us. Amen? It says, they, verse 2 says, they will make you outcast from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that, they is, that he is offering a service to God. Have you ever had anybody that's hurt you and they think they're doing it as unto the Lord? I mean, we don't have, we're, we're not being killed, guys. These people were literally being killed. We just get somebody that says something ugly about us. Bless our darling hearts. Right? He's telling them, don't do this because they're going to, he's telling them what they're going to do. And then he says, these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. Here's, here's your answer. They don't know. Remember the story I told you about when we were in uh, Banff and we were skiing and uh, Jonathan and Matthew and I went down for breakfast that morning and we discussed Jesus' uh, statement when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you remember that story I told you? How, how we talked about how, boy, that must be great to... I mean, they're crucifying him, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
your flesh, when someone is attacking you, they're not even trying to nail you on a cross. They're just talking bad. Or, ta- or talking bad about, you know, your church or whatever. When that happens, don't we tend, we're not saying, Father, forgive them. We're saying, Jesus, will you just handle that? Will you talk to that person? Jesus, I need help here. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, God, I know they know what they're doing. (laughs) Me of great wisdom. Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. And that day when we went to the hill and T and I were there and this lady, I mean, out of the blue, just started attacking us verbally. And it was horrible, the things she was saying. She didn't even know us. Never met us, saying horrible things about us. And when I started to say something, she said, you shut up. You're not allowed to talk. Immediately I knew, that is the devil. That's the devil. And I said, Father, forgive her, for she doesn't know what she's doing. And I just turned and kept my mouth shut. Not because she told me to, but because Jesus told us, that it's not wise to talk, you know, that's when you hush. Isn't it interesting when you, you have a, a scripture in the morning God gives you and you have that day to prove it. But you know what? God gave me perfect peace and I knew this is the enemy. This is not about T and I sitting here. This is about the enemy telling me, you shut your mouth. You are not allowed to speak. You know, our mouth is where we have our power. So if the enemy can tell you to shut your mouth, he's stopping the power of God. Amen. Let's go on. But these things, here he says, but these things I have spoken to you. Here's the thing, guys. When God says something, it over, it supersedes what anybody else says. He said, they're going to tell you They're going to kill you. They're going to do this. But I have said. This is our secret place. Remember Psalms 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place. A place of secrets. That's that secret place when I can go and just back out of a situation that I might be offended Back out of a situation where I might want my own way. Back into the secret place and settle. And just settle. Just settle. And it might take you a day. It might take you two days. It might take you a while. But just settle. Don't talk about it. You can talk to the Lord about it, but don't talk. Every time we talk to somebody else about how somebody else hurt us, you know what we're doing? We're building it up. So Jesus is saying, they're going to hurt you. Here's the thing. He, he's warning them. It's not going to be easy, you guys. But now listen, this is what I find interesting. Verse 5 says, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? Isn't that an interesting statement? Not one of his disciples asking, where are you going? Now, we might say, well, they knew. No, they didn't know because when he left, what did they do? They went into hiding. Even though he had told them, they didn't get it. Because he didn't tell them real plainly. If they, you know, they, sometimes he'd have to say, I have to, I'll speak to you plainly. <laughs> He said, I'm going, but none of you have asked me, where am I going? You know what? I think this is an interesting thing for you and I to say. Jesus, where are you going? When's the last time you asked Jesus, where are you going? Especially when times are hard and when people are against you, when things are against you, when circumstances are against you. A smart thing for us to say is, Jesus, where are you going? Because if we stay with Jesus, we'll stay on the right track. Where are you going? I want to go with you. I want to stay with you, Jesus. Jesus is not going to take us into places of hurt, places of danger. 
They might be dangerous, but with him, it's, he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death, and we fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So the psalmist was saying, Jesus, where are you going? Jesus says, I'm going through the shadow of the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. He tells, you know, obviously that's where Jesus was going. But the psalmist says, I'll go with you. Because you're with me. And your rod and your staff. You know, the shepherd keeps his, and when his sheep start getting away, he takes that staff, that curved thing, and he just pulls them over. When you're, I've been in Israel, and, and the shepherds are going down the road, and they're just, all these sheep are just everywhere, and there's like several different shepherds. And all the sheep are together. And then it's getting nighttime, and the shepherds start calling. Those sheep just divide and go to their shepherd. What's the word say? My sheep know my voice. And a stranger's voice they will not follow. But they get there because the shepherd is their comfort. The shepherd is their security. Jesus, where are you going? That's what he wanted them to ask. Why aren't you asking me where am I going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Okay, we're just going to wrap this up here. I don't know why the Lord, I believe there's, there's people in here tonight that there's just been some issues in your life that you just had, to be, you kind of been felt beat down by it. And you just don't, you haven't known what to do. He said, he said, I've said these things, because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. What did he say? that made the sorrow fill their heart. He told them that all these bad things were going to happen. I was just uh, in Texas, and something very, very serious happened to someone very close to me. And that night, it happened at night, like in early evening, and then when I was in my hotel room, Sorrow filled me. It just filled me. And I, I was starting to grieve. I didn't go to that secret place. I went to what it looked like, what it felt like, what it seemed like. And I had to stop myself and say, no, this isn't right. This is the outcome. This is what the outcome will be. And I had to change it because sorrow will keep you out of the promises. You can be sorrowful things that you did before. You can be sorrowful things that, that you're in right now. And you can be sorrowful things that you know you'll never have. You understand that? See, my mom and dad are both in heaven. There's sometimes I want to talk to my mom. My dad died when I was young, but my mama hasn't been gone that long. And I talked to my mama every Sunday. We talked about what God did that day. That was our greatest joy. I miss my mom every Sunday. You know, I miss her other days, but Sundays at 6 o'clock, I miss mama. Because she's not here. And I can't talk to her, and I can't tell her what Jesus did that day. But I know better than get into sorrow and grief. I know, and I know when I start to do it. I, you'll know, right? You know when you're starting to let it get to you. you. You'll start to feel it. And you go, I can't, I can't go there. The same with David. When, in January when I was in Edmonton and my spirit left my body again, and I saw heaven again. I saw my mom, I saw my grandmother in heaven, and, and uh, I just chose not to go, not to stay, and I came back. Somebody said, if David was there, you probably would have stayed, if, David, if you'd seen David. I don't know. I, I hope I wouldn't have. 
I don't, because I don't think I'm finished. But I don't know. I don't, I can't say what I would have done. But see, God doesn't put us through things that would cause us to be sorrowful or grieving. I wasn't sorrowful that I saw my mom. I was happy. They looked so happy. They were so glad to see me. They were so happy. But you know what? I think they had very clear knowledge that I wasn't supposed to stay. They didn't tell, they didn't speak to me actually. They just were smiling and happy, but they never said a word. Well, the other time when I went to heaven, my daddy talked to me and he told me some stuff. Then another time when I went, David talked to me. But I never get into grief and sorrow into a pit. I can't say I never am grieving. I can't say I'm never sorrow in sorrow. I can't say that. I wish I could, but I don't stay there. I won't stay there a day. You'll never find me there a day. I might be there a few minutes, and I'm, I might be there an hour. I don't think I have, but I might be. But I'm not going to stay there. Why? Jesus said, this is you. I, I'm telling you something that's going to happen. I'm not telling you to bring sorrow to you. I'm telling you so that you'll have a, a knowledge of how I'm going to deliver you. God's going to deliver them. Amen. He said, okay, let's finish it up. He said, but, well, I just lost my place here. Let's see. But I tell you the truth. <laughs> I always think that's funny that Jesus has to say, I tell you the truth. Do you ever think, oh, you're lying, aren't you? <laughs> no. It's like someone always, we used to have a person that was in leadership, and they'd always say, do you want me to be honest with you? And then they'd tell me something that would be hurtful. <laughs> and I wanted to say sometimes, no, please lie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Of course you're going to tell me the truth, Jesus. You are the truth. It is to your advantage. See, they're already sorrowing that he's going to go away. Listen, when you know the will of the Lord and you don't like it, if you, you'll sorrow. See, I, I knew that my daughter was going to go from the time she, actually before she was born, we knew that she would not stay with us here in Canada. But I tell you, when it got close to the time and I knew she's going to marry, she's going to go, I knew it was the will of the Lord. But sorrow tried to grasp me and say, but I want her here. And every time she's here, I have to fight that and go, I know you must go. And I, you know, it's like, she must be about my father's business. My mama did it for me. I have to do it for her. She'll do it for her children. Or she'll do it for others. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we can't sorrow about things that it's God's will. He's saying it's, my, it's God's will that Jesus dies. See, that's why I showed you in Isaiah 53. These are the things he was dying for. But they were sorrowing because they didn't know. You will sorrow when you don't know the will of the Lord or when you refuse to believe it. Sometimes we know the will, but we refuse it. One time the Lord told me to break up with a boyfriend, and I, I, was, I was a baby Christian. And he said, and I want you to stop praying for him too. Well, I just thought that was the devil. Why would God say quit praying for somebody? So I didn't. I didn't obey God. I, I did break up, but I kept praying for him. And God said again, I want you to quit praying for him. I was praying for his salvation. Wouldn't God want you to pray for someone's salvation? Doesn't that make sense? See, God's just smarter than us, all right? See, I was doing it my way. Surely God means I should pray for him. Even God's saying, don't pray for him. And I'm saying, surely he meant I should pray for him. Thank God for mature believers that said, Brownie, you need to quit praying for that guy. So I did. I called him up. I thought I should tell him. I'm just calling to tell you I'm not going to pray for you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> he 
days, like three or four days later, he calls me early in the morning. I've been on my face before God all night long. I'm saved. I don't know what's happened to me. I feel wonderful. I think, oh, man, he's just saying that. He's just going to get me back. That's all. <laughs> I'm not praying for you. I don't care, Brownie. I can pray now. Oh, okay. Then you kind of feel bad because you wanted to be the one to get, get the credit, you know. <laughs> God wanted me to quit being his Holy Ghost. Sometimes we can be somebody's Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit's trying to convict them, and we're praying it off from them. Think about that. Sila. <laughs> Think about that. Just listen what God says. He said, you haven't even asked me. Ask God what he wants to do. I don't think, let me just make this clear. That is not a general rule that I just told you. That's an exception. But sometimes God says things that you don't understand, but he knows, right? He's just smarter than us. It'll help you if you remember that. All right, let's close it up. Said, where are we? We're on verse 6, uh, 7. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit will bring to us freedom from sin, righteousness, judgment. And it tells, it goes on, talks about, he'll teach us things about, he'll teach us about the authority of the believer. Now see, they couldn't understand that. They couldn't under, all they could see is you're going to leave us. Remember when Paul was, was with the group of leaders and he said, You'll never see my face again. And it said they hung on to him and they wept. Sometimes that's how we are. We, we hang on to something that God wants to do something different. We hang on to something with tears, not wanting to let go. When God's saying, let go, I got a plan. Amen. Now, sometimes he says, hold on. When he says, hold on, you better hold on. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Bum, bum, bum. I'm coming. You think he might sing that? No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God always has a way. So tonight I want to say to you that Jesus wants us to go his way. Remember the word says, I, Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. He has a way in it. He is the way. So our ways are not what we should follow. We should follow his way. And how do we know his way? Because he sent a helper. You do realize that before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit only came upon people. The Holy Spirit did not dwell in people because he couldn't dwell in unholy vessels. So the Bible says, David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Remember him praying that. Catherine Kuhlman used to pray that every time she got, before she went on stage. And the woman did so many mighty miracles through the power of God. But the truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit won't leave us. He hasn't come on us. He comes in us. And he abides with us forever. Amen. So listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen, as you go through the days, I don't, I, I really truly believe that God is, there's a reason that he wanted this said tonight. And I think there's some things coming up for us as a church. And I think there's some things coming up in our city that we must be able to hear his voice and don't listen to strangers voices strangers meaning someone that speaks other than what god says amen let's listen to what god says what's god say about your children
Your children shall be disciples taught of the Lord, obedient to his will, and great shall be the peace, undisturbed composure of your children. The Bible says that the fruit of your womb shall be blessed. What's God say about your money? He said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you in the city and I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless you going out. He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. What, what does God say about your marriage? That God says that he puts us together. What God joins together, let no man separate. So let God do it. There's the key, what God puts together. And when God puts something together, it's good. Amen? Maybe you say, well, God didn't put us together. Well, just give yourself to God and he'll put you together. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Father, first of all, I ask you to forgive us as a body when we've gone our own way. We've sought our own ways. We wanted to do things our way. Lord, forgive us. And we thank you, Lord, that now we turn towards you and we say we want to go your way. And we ask you, where are you going, Jesus? We want to go with you. Lord, I ask for our city and for our churches in our city that division and strife will be far from them. Father, we pray for the pastors and the leaders that they will have hearts that are towards you, Lord, and then towards the people. And the people's hearts will be towards you, Lord God. Father, that no one will seek their own way, but they'll seek your way. For Father, we understand that if we seek your way, we will find your way. You said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. Father, we thank you that we will find everything that you have for us. I pray your blessing on the people tonight. Thank you, Lord. Your word says that they were blessed when they came in. They're blessed going out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.